Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I want to say, like, we're all, listen, I don't know what the fashion vibe is, but, like, what the neck moment? What the neck moment? But we're also giving you, like, neutrals. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, it feels mm -hmm. like a, like, um, Walking Uh, Dead. A muted tone. Okay. Dead. <laughs> well, you, you watch know, those shows. I couldn't watch those shows, girl. I, right. I, you're not missing much. But in Walking Dead, it definitely feels like the color palette is, you know, discarded Yeezy Alp like collection <laughs> items. Everything is like gray and cream yeah. and ripped, muted and and, and do- uh, uh, dowdy. As yes. like to say, which is such a great word. Dowdy is such a great word. Dowdy is a great. Word. I don't know why they always apply it to women, which is like mm, mm-hmm. patriarchy. So. Sexism. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Fran, just before we dig in, did your parents ever make you take one of those like obligatory mall photos with like an Easter bunny or a Santa Claus? Ooh, I don't I don't think so. I feel like I, I remember a mall Santa photo somewhere, but I mean, I, I Learn can't. Out. I Learn can't. if you're listening, find it, dig it out, dig it out for <laughs> I'm us. I'm sure she has it. She's got a whole shrine to me. Truly an only <laughs> child. Um, but I, I think I took like a, I think I took a Santa photo. Okay. Um, me and my sister, we we have like uh, a really cute, but like, you know, 80s photo that like isn't the best quality. Um, but we are we are like so chill and calm, my little sister. And, and I'm, I could play like three or four. Anyway, I kind of love the photos. I'm so excited. I love the photos where they're like kids with the Easter Bunny, but they're like in a mad crime. And they're like, terrified. <laughs> I fucking love them. They're it's, it's- so... <laughs> I've seen them. They're they're hilarious, but also like, oh man, those poor kids. I mean, they're terrible. Also, like, and also the Easter Bunny head is like, what is that? It's like at least Santa, you see a face, right? <laughs> yes, I, there's no way to make those giant animals not look scary. You know, it makes me think of Chuck E. Cheese. Oh. All those animals look unhinged. That big ass rat. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But like, listen, who thought I, a rat would be a good a good mascot? <laughs> like rats are not cute. That rats are hideous. I mean, well, and they're a scourge. They're an effing scourge. Exactly. Um. So wait, I, <laughs> it, I have some photos for you, and I okay. want you to react to these kids with the Easter Bunny. Okay. Can you see it? Okay. <gasps> <laughs> Look at this. Wait. Describe what's happening to this little boy. Oh like, <laughs> no! I feel so bad for him. The little boy is his whole mouth is just like a giant O and he's grabbing on first of all the bunny looks like it's holding him down, down. like the, like the yes. kid is actively trying to get away <laughs> oh my god he's looking off camera to his parent like why did you do this to why me? are you doing this to me that's exactly what I see when I see this kid why are you doing this to me <laughs> 
Wait, wait, He's okay. He's like, I promise to shit in the toilet. I promise. I'll never, I'll never have an accident again. <laughs> Mommy, please, what did I do? Wait, this is the next one. Okay. okay. Oh, no. This one. Okay, first of all. <laughs> I love <laughs> This I love this one. Bunny looks like he's eating the child. He like literally ch- looks like he's eating the baby. Like the child, you know what it makes me think of? It's like a role reversal. The bunny's like, you always eating them chocolate bunnies? I'm gonna <laughs> eat your chocolate little baby. Wanna know you what it feels like? Wanna tell you what it feels the like? The little teeth are at the top of its hair. Right. The teeth are in front of the kid's hair, so like it's literally sitting right in the bunny's mouth. Oh, and the little girl, she her face is just snotty and grimaced, and she's got her hands out like little claws. She's trying to like <laughs> run to her mom. Oh my god. She's saying, Help me. Okay, this <laughs> this is my favorite one. <gasps> okay. This what is, is happening. This is from like the 1950s. And this now, here's the thing. We've seen the gamut of weird-looking bunnies. This bunny is too realistic. This looks like a real bunny's head <laughs> on someone's body, It like like taxidermy. This Wait. looks like a real bunny. It has, like, little beady eyes, not like the big eyelashes and, you know, round and sparkly. No, right. those look like little dead eyes. <laughs> the kids are terrified. One terrified. is maybe, like, Four years old and she's holding on to the bunny's claw it doesn't look like a paw it looks like <laughs> right. a, a, uh, the, uh, and also this is what's really weird about it too the head looks too real but then the rest is just a regular person the dress uh, he's wearing like a button down and some slacks <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious but also like it's the ears are sticking straight up like a bunny's and it's not like an easter bunny mascot type thing is white and like looks like has bright colors <laughs> this thing is gray and it looks like it looks like somebody killed a large bunny and put their head on. Yeah, yeah. And I think there I don't think there's any way for this to not look scary, but I think the combo of like an accountant wearing a bunny head <laughs> is what's really throwing me because it definitely feels like those kids are about to be abducted. <laughs> right, or have been already. Like, okay, yes, that is, is not that's not a mall bunny. That's like this... some random person in the neighborhood who has like a bu- ah! This is the scariest bunny I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, the kid looks like I've just given up. The kid is like, this is my, the kid's not even screaming. The kid's like, you know what? I don't, I'm not even going to fight it. I'm about to die. This bunny, first of all, the bunny, the body is white. The head is so dirty. The The face, the face is melting. The face is melting off of the bunny. Why does it have a dark gray ring around his neck? <laughs> oh my, totally dirty. It's, like it's little. What? Well, and are there two ears? I see an ear. It's like I see <laughs> one ear. And not only is he dirty, his eyes are yellow. Sir, are you getting and a like kidney this. transplant? What's, why are your eyes yellow? Ooh. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Uh, no listen, no. I listen. 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I hate you for that. Uh, 
Let me fix it. Hello, and welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast that says, if you can't afford that sweater, we don't give a crap. Fall into the gap, fall into the gap. Fall into the gap, fall into the gap, fall into the gap. Fall into the gap. Do you remember that song, friend? Oh. Gap commercial? 1,000% I see your fall into the gap commercial, and I raise you one mellow yellow. They call me mellow yellow. Do you remember that Gap commercial? I do. I I thought the people were so hot in that commercial. I thought everybody in that commercial looked like they were extras in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, wait. Also, that's my favorite movie, so... (laughs) That they track. all looked like they had all just done drugs. They're all like laying around and looking or, or into the camera. hostages. Yeah, it was <laughs> very weird. I don't know how it was supposed to sell clothes, but it was a different they time. They tried. Uh, I'm Delon Grant. I'm an actor, a singer, a photographer, and a writer. And I'm Francesca Ramsey. I'm an actress, a writer, a producer, and a former graphic designer. And this week's episode, we are talking to y'all about the mall. Yes, for the latter half of the 20th century, the shopping mall was a cornerstone of American social life and counted for most of the nation's retail sales. In the 1980s, there were around 2,500 malls in the the United States. But today, the number has dwindled to around 700. Mm. And the few that are left are practically ghost towns. Most of the big retailers have gone. Food courts are empty. And there's usually a revolving door of random stores popping up in and out. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, because we know some of y'all are babies, and you don't know that that the mall was really influential. It was a huge part of uh, social life and culture. And one example of that was the mall tours of the past. Dawn, do you remember... Every pop star was performing in the mall. Yeah, and I feel like the last person, like the last big pop star I heard, like did a mall tour was Demi Lovato. Oh. Like after, before the Disney wow. Channel or after the Disney Channel. That makes yeah. sense. I definitely saw some clips. A lot of Disney kids like Zendaya was popping and locking in a mall. Um, there was also Britney Spears, Avril Lavigne, Lady yep. Gaga was in the Ikea parking lot dancing for her. Was she really? She was in the I- Ikea parking lot stomping like she Ooh, was a God. star before she was a star. Talk about a glow up. Talk about okay. a glow up. Um, but probably the most iconic mall music video is Tiffany. Do you know the song, Delon? I think I do. Okay. I think I do now. <laughs> that that's <laughs> that you are in the right direction. Those are not the words. Um, but I, I wanted to play some of this music video um because it is just such a time capsule of nostalgia. About the crickets. <laughs> what is this pose with her? Her hand is just sitting on her head. <laughs> God, it's so 80s. Wow, they really are in the mall. Oh, yeah, they are fully. The mall is packed, too. Tiffany looks like she's 15. Right. Ooh, not next to the train, though, girl. Dangerously close to the tracks. Nervous for you. But she's a bad girl. You know, I was going to say, wrong side of the tracks, girl. <laughs> yes, literally. Best as we can. She's 
But she's not alone because there's like hundreds of people in front of her. Ready? Okay, look at look at these guys. <laughs> look the at guy this. holding people back. The guys are like, "You will not touch Tiffany. Everyone, stay back." I mean, and they're not even pushing to get to her. And they're, well, and they're also like, they're also teenagers themselves. So it's like one guy with these skinny arms and like a tank top holding back a hundred people. Right? It's ridiculous. oh, I mean, there's. I'm gonna say there's more than a hundred people. There, there's. You think like, so? <laughs> I mean, in this, not in this shot, but in, yeah, I'm sure there are a bunch of people. Oh, there, totally. there are. This mall is packed. Everybody was excited to be in this video. I mean, yeah. Okay, why is she with Gumby? <laughs> so Gumby for class. So she's with an, a giant, a giant sized Gumby that's bigger than her. Gumby was this cartoon character I guess that we had w- in the in the eighties. He was a cartoon, but what is he? He's like a he's like a, an exclamation uh, point with arms and legs. He's like a laffy taffy. Do you remember that candy that was just yeah, like yeah? Long... Or you know what he might be? He might be one of those inflatable arm guys that are usually outside of the car dealership yeah totally totally why is he up on tiffany is that who she's singing about uh, gumby sponsored tiffany's (laughs) video uh it's (laughs) so funny this is this is just such a time capsule of this era because the hair the outfits um and the mall culture, like everybody yes. hanging out and and young people and all that energy. And in hindsight, it's such a shame because the mall was such an important part of growing up. And talk about not only was going to the mall cool as a teenager, but it was also our first taste of independence, our hangout mm. spot where we saw our crushes, where we discovered our personal style and even had our first jobs. Oh, wait, you better <laughs> preach to me. Take me back to to working at the buckle on commission in the Miller. Hill Mall in the Duluth, buckle. Minnesota. The, There's an episode. The buckle does not exist Ooh, anymore. Oh, she rest. No, they, it does. <laughs> it there's does? still one. I was just in my hometown in November, and it's still there, but they're selling the most generic. I mean, I guess they always sell It was a shoe clothes. store, right? Oh, God, no. Um, it, was a, it was a whole clothing store, oh. but they used to have, like, I used to get my Doc Martens there. They had, oh. like, a big shoe wall. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember. I When I think buckle, I think, like, belts and shoes and not store. Was it for men and women? It was for men and women, yeah. They're oh. mostly women, but most mostly women. Well, not, they but, did a know. bad job calling it buckle. What woman is going <laughs> into a buckle? <laughs> that just right. And who's just who's just buying a buckle? Right. You might as well call it jock strap. Like it just <laughs> sounds so masculine. It's totally. Um. So you know, forgive the newly forty sentiment, but it really does make me sad that today's youth do not have somewhere like the mall to hang out. And there's been this conversation around no longer having what's been dubbed a third space, meaning Mm. you go to work, you go to school, you go home. Where is that third space that you hang out in? For us, it was the mall or bookshops or or bookstores. Community center. Community centers, the local pool, boys and girls club, the teen club, which we said we we definitely want to do an episode. There was a teen club? You You said that you went to the teen club. Oh, like the teen dance club. I thought you meant there was like a teen club. I I was like, I wasn't cool to be at the dance club. <laughs> no, oh, no, I, I went, mean like the teen, Wednesday nights. The teen oh, yeah. club where like, like they had music and they were giving me you soft club. drinks. And, you know, yes. those places don't exist. A soft drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why did I say that? Those places do not exist anymore. Um, and, and the reality is, is that young people have no place to hang out. And the mall is really a thing of the past. A 2020 study by CoreSight Research projected that 25 
75% of our nation's malls will close in the next three to five years. And by 2027, anywhere from 40,000 to 50,000 retail stores will be forced to shut down. That is so crazy because we don't have that many malls left. No, right? I was like uh, 40 to 50, but I think just that they're including all retail stores. Yeah. Because the reality is all of them have been on the decline in recent years. Right. We just shop online. So, class, today we are clearing the dust off the display counters, opening up that cash register to examine the rise and fall of the American mall. How did we go from let's go to the mall to a nation of dead malls? And then, as usual, each of us will give our best fix it. So, let's dive in. American shopping malls. Let me, Let me fix, fix it. So, Fran, what were your go-to stores as a tween? Ooh, I loved Express. Give me a black pair of pants. Ooh, and Express a, was huge when we were and kids. A bold jewel tone top. I looked like I was ready to go to the office. <laughs> you sure did. You sure did. Giving you business cash in middle and high school. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a musical theater kid, yes. like, like a, a black pants and a jewel tone was like what you did for showcase. It was such a cliche. That was so, your audition. That was your audition top. Yes. That was your we are going to the theater competition and we're going to yes. crush the other schools and we <laughs> all have the same like... <laughs> I love, it, it. I love that it wasn't just our school. I didn't realize it was everybody. I don't know. I don't know what I, I guess because Express was like, you know, like a little bit cheaper, but also like looked good on on most bodies, you know? Yeah. You know uh, what it was? Express was like grown. There was mm, no like words on the shirts, no like patterns, no nothing. It was all very like sleek and professional. And it really felt like. You had just gotten your first job and like you had a mm. palm pilot. You know what I mean? Palm pilot. <laughs> you gotta take me back to the palm pilot. Yo, palm pilots, I mean, this is such a de- detour, but palm pilots, where are they now? That's a whole That's an episode. That's Listen, a whole, and I wanted one and I fucking got one. I had, you know, I I got my own too. And I had a pager. For what? For why? <laughs> Who is paging you, Delon? Nobody. You're a 14. A contacts folder, empty. A calendar, empty. (laughs) So my store, go-to store was Sam Goody. I was always in a Sam Goody, which is the Mm. now defunct music store. Uh, MP3 is killed it. We will definitely be doing a a, a Let Me Fix a Pot uh, episode on Sam Goody. I also loved The Gap, but I couldn't afford The Gap, so I went to Old Navy. (laughs) As as you should, as one does. Same company. I was an Old Navy girl as well. Um, and do you remember the store Aeropostale or Aeropostale? I, I, I do remember. And and in hindsight, what a mouthful for a store okay. name. Is, and like, I mean, is it, it looks Greek. I don't know. Aeropostale? It, it is. Yeah. You know what? Now that I say it, it does feel like Aeropostale. Like Aeropostale. But then you go in there and you're like, this is just jeans and this khakis. Is Aeropostale. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would shop there because I couldn't afford Abercrombie and Fitch, and they probably didn't want my black gay ass in there anyway. That Oops. is that is probably the case. It's so funny thinking back about the way that we had so much importance on brands. I always wanted one of those baby tees that said BB across the chest when oh, the girls gosh. wearing those. But they yeah. were like fifty dollars, and Lorna said, "You got BB money." Those okay. were those shirts were expensive. Just a black mom, you got BB money. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. But it's so funny because even having a shopping bag with a brand's name on it can be a, a badge of honor, and it's really mm. smart marketing too. 
one campaign that I really love was Bloomingdale's and that their big brown bag. So instead of plastering the obvious Bloomingdale's in a huge font on the side of the shopping bag, they just had big brown bag, which kind of makes you like engage with it differently. You're like, oh, okay. Totally. That's like, it's kind of like cheeky, right? It's yeah, like telling yeah. you exactly what it is. I did some research. This is so interesting to me. The big brown bag was designed by Massimo Vignelli, who was an, an iconic graphic designer in the 70s. He also designed all of the New York City subway signage and you the could. maps. Yeah, you like could. you just think of that so synonymous with New York, but someone actually had to make that. I, I also some, love, I just also love that you're on a design nerd moment. I am such I a, love it. I'm on such a design nerd moment. I put some pictures in the doc. Bold colors, really clean yeah. type, really easy to read. Um, and the reason that they initially designed these big bags is they were made to accommodate the increasingly large pillows and sheets that Bloomingdale's was selling. The more you know. And they decided to do something very different by doing this uh, sustainable craft paper way before it was popular to do sustainable fashion. And they really became like a symbol of the movers and the shakers. And now the bag is so well known that Bloomingdale's even sells like an actual purse that says big brown bag or little brown bag on the side. I put a picture in the dock and it's so smart. Like so cute. how cool is it that your brand is so recognizable that you don't even have to put your name on your bags or on your merch. People just know the colors and the typography. I mean, it's just, again, my my graphic designer brain is like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, to your point, I remember first seeing these bags and having that thing you, you describe of being like, break brown bag. I mean, it is, but like, but what, what company is but that? What is that? Like, I, I, you're right. It's, it felt like an elite club. Like, if you know, you know, mm -hmm. right? A little bit of that. Oh, my God. So, Delon, you actually had a pretty famous hometown mall growing up, right? Oh, yeah. Taking trips to the Mall of America in high school was such a status symbol. The Mall of America had all of the stuff we had in our hometown mall. Mm -hmm. But because it's the largest mall in America and because it had a theme park, you know, when you bought your American... <laughs> Wait a second. Yes. A theme park? A theme park, 520 stores, a theme park. How uh, could you even walk through the whole mall at one time? Like, that's um, a marathon. Actually, you know, literally a marathon. You die halfway through. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess they probably have like walkathons in the Mall of America. That makes so much sense, yeah, right? That, I, yeah. I knew it was big, but I had no idea that there was a theme park inside of yeah. it. That's excessive. I forget how many million square feet it is, but it's like millions of square feet. But if you bought like your American, uh, you know, American Eagle t-shirt at the Mall of America, it was just cooler. Mm. Um, but not only did Minnesota have the Mall of America, we also had the first indoor mall in America. Oh. Claim to fame much? I'm claiming it. <laughs> I'm claiming it. So uh, the Southdale Center opened on October 8th, 1952 in Edina, Minnesota, a suburb of Minneapolis. The mall was considered revolutionary at the time because unlike its dustier older cousin, the one-story shopping center, the Southdale Center was a two-story marvel of aesthetic and design. It had all of the characteristics we now consider staples of a mall, including 5,000 free parking spaces with parking areas clearly marked to avoid losing your car. Fran, you drive. I don't really drive. But when mm -hmm. I do drive, I, I, I get... I can never find the car. Do you find the car every time? You know what? I'm going to say shout out to uh, Apple CarPlay because uh, 
my phone remembers where my car is. You open your phone and it tells you on a little map where your car is. Wait, like on the on the on the yeah, iMap? because it's because my phone is linked to my car. So anyone that has Apple CarPlay, meaning an iPhone, you should have this feature too because it's linked to my car. It um just the same way that your GPS tracks where you are on the map. Wow, it tracks where my car is in the parking lot. So Look I just technology. And then I will say before that. The, before I realized that that was a thing, because I, I think I had it, I got my my car here in 2019, I guess. So 2020. So I, I, I don't think I knew it always had that feature. I would just take a picture of where my car oh, was yeah. parked. You know, there's like you're in section A or whatever. Um, but yeah, the idea that parking lots are now synonymous with malls, but they weren't a thing that people were used to having is right. kind of like brain breaking. Um, some other things about this first mall, there were 72 stores surrounding a plant filled courtyard with fountains and benches to sit and socialize. It even had a bird sanctuary and you Come have on. to say it like that bird sanctuary. <laughs> um, but what had people calling it a utopia at the time was the fact that it was an indoor mall and the first of its kind. So there are some pictures in the dock and I wanted to describe these because some things stuck out to me and I'm curious what sticks out to you about these photos. You know, I, I mean, I actually think I do see the bird sanctuary, which is kind of crazy, like on the right side of this photo. So they're, these are black and white photos that, that you know, give a older style, clearly 1950s um, uh, frame of what the mall was like. But they have this like cage thing on the right mm -hmm. side. Do you see that, Fran? It looks yeah. like a bird sanctuary. The thing that stuck out to me is that this is 1950s this looks like it could be any mall in America just in black and white. Like, this is what malls still look like today. You're right. It's like uh, there's a bunch of seating in the middle and there's like balconies that have like plants hanging off of them. And there's like probably not an escalator because it's the 50s or maybe escalators existed, but there's like stairways. They did. This is oh. an escalator. Oh, okay. So there's escalators. There's right. like one of those like people mover type um, railways where you can walk across. There's a big banner hanging up. Um, even the second photo, yes, the photo is aged and looks old, but that's what malls look like today. And I kind of right. feel like this might be part of why the mall is dead because it hasn't really evolved. You're so right. You're so that's a really good point. Yeah. So back in the 50s, most people got their retail fix at outdoor shopping centers where you had to deal with the elements when you were going from store to store. But South Date said, you can't stand under my umbrella. Ella, ella, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> so not only was the mall being a, an enclosure radical, but it was also practical. The building was climate controlled to keep shoppers cool in the humid summers and toasty warm in those cold Minnesota winters. Delon, you know all about a Minnesota winter. Yo, listen, the temperatures I experienced living in that state should not be legal. Uh, Fran, you would you would not have survived. No, I thought that's not true. In New York, I lived in New York for third. Uh, I can't even can't even <laughs> tell many? you how many years. Eleven years, eleven years in New York. You always try to claim some New York City. You really do. <laughs> no, but listen, no, 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 no. Wait a second. No, wait a second. <laughs> you won't hear it, me claiming New York, but I did. When it comes live to the there. temperature, when it comes to the temperature, yeah. But like a New York City winter ain't got nothing on a on a Minnesota okay, winter now. Girl. That's fair, but let the record show. I did survive a Midwest winter as well. I did go to. 
the University of Michigan for a minute, and mm. I am still paying for it. <laughs> so, okay, girl, that I, that I will give, that I will concede. But girl, you went there for a hot minute, and I hate to say, it, but you you know you were sick the whole damn time. Like you know how many times you lost your voice in them damn winters you survived. I drag me okay it's so funny because i would lose my voice so much back then it was so weird it was so weird and it hasn't happened to me as an adult so i don't know if it was like mental or if it was like the actual like elements because i remember i had gotten cast in goodnight desdemona and i was like part of like this like little singing troupe and i was playing the mandolin and it was like right before opening and i fucking lost my voice and i could not sing for the whole show and it was world ending i was so upset about it i was in that show too and i remember this moment distinctly and i remember you being like well we have to cancel the show no lines i just sang i just wait sang. i'm sorry i take it back you didn't say cancel the show you were like i can't do the show and then they were like well we have to cancel it if you're not and it would make no sense because like, i mean whatever yeah when it was just so bad because then i just i did the show but i like croaked i was like <laughs> you did. it was you did, so you poor thing i was so mad because it was really my time to shine because i found it good you actually was playing the mandolin and, I was and listen the- I, you pulled that mandolin out. i was like oh i didn't even know she i didn't know either i was like yeah they were like can you play the mandolin i was like yeah yeah <laughs> i was like in my dorm room like fuck 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 like trying to proud of you learn Listen, how to play Anne. it i'm proud of you <laughs> oh my god little the uh, shade aside let's get back to the history of the ball because right, i don't right. i don't need to be dragged for my my <laughs> my poor immune system any further on this show so the concept of the indoor mall was the brainchild of donald dayton the president of dayton's what a great name it totally is. You need to have a store after yourself with a name like, like that. Bam. Bam. Um, it was a major Midwest department store chain. And Victor Gruen, a European architect who made a name for himself designing New York City storefront. Dayton was looking to increase overall retail sales during a sales slump that happened when people did not want to venture out in the cold Minnesota temperatures. Okay, now this is fun. Factoid. The word mall comes from the 16th century Italian game sing- similar to croquette uh, called Pag- pa- Palmoglio? Paul Palamoglio. Palamoglio. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Fucking show off. We know you on day 800 of Duolingo. Are you? Wait, I am though. I'm on day 82, my Spanish. Listen, bitch, we were laying on the beach. Dawn's like, my Duolingo, my Duolingo. I can't lose my streak. I was like, sir. I really was. I really was. Oh, my God. So the alley where the game usually was played became known as the mall. Mall would eventually be repurposed to mean a long stretch of outdoor land, usually lined by trees used as pedestrian promenades. So slap some stores on that stretch of land and you have the beginnings of what we now know as a mall today. I love that history. Victor Gruen designed the Southdale Center to be a social gathering place similar to the European squares and markets that were staples in his hometown, Vienna, Austria. He was later coined the father of the shopping mall because after the success of Southdale, his office would go on to design 50 more indoor shopping malls in the United States. However, Victor got a little salty as he saw his creation becoming more and more ubiquitous. Now, I would like to pause. Because you cannot just roll up in here and drop a SAT word like ubiquitous. I think, think that we're not going to talk about it. Ubiquitous, ubiquitous, ubiquitous is 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 
SAT word. Um, and I think it's important for the class to one, know what ubiquitous means. It means found mm-hmm. everywhere. And then I also yes. would like to clarify that there is a difference between an SAT word and a $50 word. Do you know the difference? Explicame. I do not know. I think an SAT word is like you're trying to sound smart. And <laughs> was that a read? Is that a read? <laughs> I mean, Delon, you are one. Are you trying or you, are no, you? No, I'm just telling Ready? you, one, you are hands down one of the smartest <laughs> people that I know. But sometimes when we're talking, I'm like, Delon is putting some words in this sentence. And you would just, you must be pulling words. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I'm like, that is, those are some SAT words. <laughs> so funny. Versus, I think a $50 word is just like, is a big word that you you really just need. It's that gravitas. Like you just need something uh, more meaningful. It's like it's like. Give me an example. <sighs> like like panache. You know when you're talking about something oh. has panache. Like it's it's panache is like pretentious. But though. see that's see and now that's something that someone who uses SAT words would say. <laughs> Wait, did you make up the comparison for the SAT? Yes, I made that up. <laughs> I me. fucking love it. We're going to keep it going. Keep it going on the because, pod. This is hilarious. Right? I love I, it. Because you know, okay, and maybe ubiquitous isn't the right. Maybe this is just like yeah, my. Ubiquitous isn't a big word. I mean, come it's on. Not that, it's, not, it's not that it's a big word. I feel like ubiquitous is a word that is very smart, but like we don't really need you. We don't need it. Like you could have just said his creation was all over the place. Like, there were too many malls, but like it was becoming ubiquitous. That's so many words. <laughs> That's so many words when I can say one word. Why would I say se- Why would I say seven when I could use one? I don't know. I don't know. And I was going to well, say listen. it could just be me because I definitely had to Google what ubiquitous meant. I was like, I think I know Right. That sounds like a you problem. Sounds like insecurity. <laughs> Wait, I, I do want to keep this game going, though. Okay. I think like, honestly, $50 word or or like a or SAT, SAT word, word. I love it. Yeah, I, love I think it. I think I think you will start to notice it now that the seed has been planted. I know. And then I'll become insecure. Ready? So back to Father's shopping mall. Two years before his death, he gave a speech when he was getting mad salty. And he said, I would like to take this opportunity to disclaim paternity once and for all. I refuse to pay alimony to those bastard developments. They destroyed our cities. I mean, he's not wrong. What? Not him disowning his baby. It's giving Maury. That's not my baby, Maury. That don't even look like me. With a Bloomingdale's and a Macy's and a Cheesecake Factory. I never even been to a Cheesecake Factory, Maury. It's Claire's. You are the father. (laughs) Hilarious. So to fully understand why Victor was so salty, we have to appreciate that what the mall would become is far from what he intended. He anticipated that the suburban mall would become a center of commerce, but he also longed for it to be a community builder. However, the suburbs surrounding these new malls consisted of single-family homes, which kept people apart. Folks no longer had to walk their neighborhoods or walk their way to work or the grocery store because the suburbs meant you had to drive everywhere. And with the rapid expansion of Interstate Highway after World War II, more and more people began moving to the suburbs and developers saw an opportunity. And I found this so interesting. Developers wanted to entice people to stop off of the interstates, which is why so many malls are right off of highways. That is so crazy. The, um, the ubiquity. Yes! 
<laughs> now see, now you try, you you forced it. That's what so we call a callback. No, yeah, it also is giving. Please let me into this college. So I'm putting, I'm putting it in my essay. Listen, they done got a word of affirmative action. I got to do something, girl. Okay, <laughs> um, but I just love the honestly that like that is something that's been a, a staple of our lives, and we just didn't know the rationale yeah. for it. There was a reason for it, you know. I want to introduce one more factoid about Victor Gruen. Fran, do you know that feeling when you go into the mall and you forget? what you went to the mall to buy or like you go to a Target Mm. for one thing and you come out with like three full ass bags. Yeah, I usually ate an edible, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Me, like, same, you same, mean same, I see you. <laughs> right, no, totally, Wait. I see you. And, and and the bags are just full of food? Yes. yes. Well, I will say I definitely have had the experience of going shopping and, and forgetting why I went shopping, but I will also say I love a list. So I just take out my mm. little, I take out my little list. And not only do I love a list, I have a running list. So I have a grocery list in my phone that I populate as I remember things that I need and I put them on the list. So I don't make the list right before I leave for the grocery store. I make, I, I make the list all week. So many things. <laughs> first of all, you're 40. First of all, you're an old ass woman. But you you are so type A. That's how type A you are. And I love it. I'm not that type A. But I also hear the tone in which you judge people who make their list before they go to the grocery store. How dare you? How dare you? Not, she not, said not. Not my story. <laughs> well, the idea of when you you lose track of what you were going to buy when you go to the mall, it's called it's a name for it. It's called the Gruen Transfer. It's what? named after yep, the father of the shopping mall, Victor okay. Gruen. So a Gruen transfer is the hypnotic effect malls have, allowing consumers to lose space and time and endlessly shop. The endless and aimless walking around are what make you forget the original intent for going to the mall and promotes impulse buying, which I think I've been there. So do you think that this means that it was something that they they planned? Like they were like, we will overwhelm you with stores so that you forget what you came in here to buy? Or is it just like, like, is it... It's kind of like a chicken or the egg sort of question. Mm, yeah, I think it's a really good call. I think like, you know, the solution of like just needing the, to, to be covered over the elements makes the most sense. But why not add a bunch of shit like seeding and birds mm-hmm. and plants, right, to keep your and later on food courts to add to keep people at the mall? You know what I mean? So I think yeah. you're right. I think it's listen. It's if a, I see some birds, yes, and. I'm there for another 30 minutes. Because <laughs> well, I'm also like, I'm almost like, is, are people feeding the birds? What are, what is, are they? How are you cleaning up after the birds? That's me in the airport. I'm like, there's a bird in here every single time. <laughs> Why I mean, is there a bird always in the airport? <laughs> there's always a bird in the fucking airport. It's so funny. <laughs> They're like, I have all of these miles and I can't fucking use them. <laughs> I can't seem to get on the plane. So funny. Um, I just think it's really interesting to think about the first malls coinciding with a rapid development and expansion of the suburbs in Ooh. the 50s, 60s, and 70s, because that would also coincide with white flight. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Um for those of us who aren't familiar, white flight was a period in the 50s and 60s when upper and middle class white people were fleeing the North as it started to look a little too colorful, a.k.a. filled with more black people. <laughs> and this was after the Great Migration out of the South. And when white folks flew the coop, they took all of their tax dollars with them. Mm-hmm. That is correct. In a 1979 article in Focus, a Wisconsin newsletter reflected on white flight by saying, Between 1960 and 1970, white populations of central cities in the U.S. metropolitan areas declined by 9.6%. In the Northeast, it was 
2%. It also quotes the Kerner Commission, which was a government report that tried to discover what caused the Detroit riots of 1967. Spoiler alert. It was poverty. Like, come on now. They're always trying to do a study. Like, the, <laughs> the, the evidence is right fucking there. But the okay. Kerner Commission issued a stark warning in 1968 that the country was about to become two separate societies, a white affluent society located primarily in the suburbs and a black population concentrated mainly in larger central cities. So they said, here is a warning. And then... What did they do? And we did nothing. (laughs) We did nothing. nothing. Crazy. It's just so wild because obviously business and investment were going to follow the highest, where the highest incomes were, right? Right. White flight led to a gradual divestment in the central business districts of the United States, which tended to be the downtown areas, and relocated those businesses and resources and jobs ready (laughs) to the suburbs. It's also, 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 (laughs) keep that in. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that the 1954 Supreme Court decision, Brown versus the Board of Education, which led to the forced busing to integrate public schools, was a big part of white flight as well. Uh, they want us to have nothing. Yeah, this is also so interesting to me because the thing that I always think about is the fact that a community's social services and support are tied to tax dollars, mm. um, including schooling. So when rich people leave an area, then Poor people are left there and then the schools and everything get worse there and then everything gets better where the rich people are. It's like you're rewarding rich people for being rich and you're punishing poor people for being poor. Like, and then you start to call those the, the cities ghetto. And oh, you're like, oh, it's good. run down. Again. Well, they don't have any like, well, Everything is broken. It's like, yeah, everyone here is poor and you only will fix some shit with tax dollars. So how the fuck right. is it going to get fixed? So if we are keeping track. Suburbanization led to rapid development of indoor shopping malls across America. And by 1960, there were 4,500 large shopping complexes in the U.S., including indoor shopping malls and outdoor shopping centers. According to Business Insider, that meant that there had to be three new shopping malls opening every day since 1956. Crazy. One of the other major concepts that contributed to the mall boom was the buy now, pay later mindset that came with the invention of the first credit cards and programs like layaway. And we absolutely have to do an episode about credit cards because it just there's something about it that's given me. Let me fix it. I know. Did you ever did your parents ever have anything on layaway? Not that I know of. We had everything on layaway. I don't know. And and actually, we're going to talk about layaway later because I don't want to I don't want to spoil, but we will talk about it. So malls were such an achievement that they even inspired Walt Disney, who would later admit that the mall was his inspiration behind the Epcot theme park. Crazy. So if the 1950s is when the shopping mall was developed and the 1960s is when they spread like wildfire, then the heyday of the shopping mall was the 1970s. The 70s saw another new invention come into indoor malls, the food court. This is so interesting to me that food courts were like a new invention. Like I, to me, I would think if you're walking around, burning all those calories, they didn't have no food. They're going to snack. 
No. Can I get a sip of water? No food in the old school malls? And I wonder if it was just like a thing, like you just didn't eat in public like that. You like went to a restaurant and probably they had restaurants around yeah. the mall or something. I don't know. The food court is where it's at. The food court is it. Okay. The first food court opened at the Paramus Park Shopping Mall in New Jersey in 1974. By this time, 33% of all American retail sales came from malls and shopping centers. But by the mid-80s, that would bump up to 52% of all American retail sales. By 1986, there were 2,500 indoor shopping malls in the United States. So if indoor malls had had become a, such a financial success friend. How is it today, some 30-odd years later, did we end up with these dead malls all across America? Uh, class, dead malls are what they call malls that have just been completely shuttered. Yeah, this was so interesting. Um, there are pages on social media that are actually dedicated to capturing these eerie, ghost-like shells of dead malls. There's a few photos in the dock. Um these are so scary. Um, yeah. Did you see the show The Last of Us? The Last of Us is the, my, exactly the image I got. This is the first thing I thought of. It's a show on HBO that's based on a video game. This is not a spoiler, but like a little bit of spoiler. There's a scene where they go inside an abandoned mall, and it looks just like these photos where all of the signage is still up, but like there's water everywhere and like parts of the ceiling have fallen through and what's so eerie about it is like the mall colors are still really vibrant like the tiles are like really pink and the signages are like white and red and yellow and like bold but at the same time it looks like a nuclear event happened here. Right. Totally dystopian. Like this yeah. middle photo is, is a really beautiful photo. I mean, you know, you could, the glass from the ceiling has been broken. So you can see like blue sky and it's shot from like really low, but there's snow all over the floor of the, uh, the escalator in the middle as well. The thing about it is it just feels like the world stopped and people yes. ran. You know, that's the eerie part for yeah. me. Okay. You know what it feels like? It feels like a modern version of Pompeii. Remember Ooh. this the city that like I guess like a volcano or something yes. erupted and like all the people are frozen in the city? That's what this reminds me of. Like I know. That's that's a really good comparison. Or it's to like the, or Pompeii. like the rapture happened or something. Ooh, like don't don't go don't don't do it to me, Jesus. <laughs> don't do it to me, Jesus. Um so wait, Fred, how did this happen? This it's crazy. Well, the simple answer is the internet, but like most things, it's way more complex and more interesting than that. So the online shopping boom of the late 90s and the early aughts. (laughs) (laughs) I did it to I put it in our doc, guys, just so I... Okay, so class, just for some context, Delon and I switch off who is going to write each episode. (laughs) We've talked about this on Instagram. There is a lot of writing that goes into the show, a lot of research, and Delon decided that he needed me to say early aughts, and then he put a fucking emoji, a a little emoji in here like... Wait, and I couldn't, I was, it was, it was like the Easter Bunny thing. I was waiting for it. I was like, I can't wait till she fucking gets to that. It's so oh funny. Oh my God. Yes. The early aughts. I, I'm sorry. I just, it's never, you are really trying to Regina George this aughts thing. And it's just not going to fucking take off. Uh, so th- that definitely eroded retail profit margins. Um, but that was then compounded by malls starting to lose rent from retailers. This is really interesting because this was happening during our lifetimes. I know. But it, but like and and in hindsight, 
I kind of remember it happening, but it's not until we've got this distance that you're like, holy shit, like this was a really big deal. So malls were designed with something called anchor stores. These were the large department stores like JCPenney's, Sears, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Delon, which was your favorite? Oh, God, I hated Sears and JCPenney because that's how I just shop my, you know, but I, I love a Bloomies. I, I love a Bloomies. Love Not much a, in there for me, but I love, love it. A, love a Bloomies. Um, and so they were usually placed on the ends of the mall um, so that mall goers had to walk through them in order to get to the center of the mall and presumably would pick things up in those anchor stores. In their heyday, these department stores were a huge draw for malls because of their popularity and brand recognitions. So malls would charge them significantly less rent than the inline stores, all the stores in the middle, in the mm. center of the mall. So when those inline stores started selling their goods directly to their customers online, the customers were like, oh, fuck this. I ain't gonna leave my house. I ain't gotta put no pants on. Like, okay. I can just sit right here and order from home. I don't have to go to the mall. Thus began the gradual exodus of all the smaller retailers from the mall. And it was a domino effect. Then the anchor stores started closing. J.C. Penney's, Sears, Macy's. Macy's closed a hundred stores, and it really started to hurt the value of the malls. Now, Daddy Shopping Mall tried to tell y'all. <laughs> he said, "He said I don't know this child." Quote: I don't want to pay the alimony. Don't serve End me quote. papers. I don't know you. <laughs> you is not my child. He told. He knew that this was the possible outcome because there were too many malls to begin with. Well, it was, and it was, you know, God bless America. It was all about capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other mounting issues facing malls was the plunging wages of the middle class. And I know we talk about this with ubiquity. <laughs> I know that we talk about. <laughs> I know we talk about this a lot, but it's so important to like the economics of I think of the middle of our lives in mm. our 20s and, and 30s. Um, so the the plunging wages of the middle class, which was. You know, the middle class is the economic engine of retail sales. According to the Pew Research Institute, from the 1970s to 2020, the middle class aggregate income fell by 20 percent. Wow. I mean, imagine if they came to your bank account mm. Fran, and took 20 percent of your income like that is crazy. That's your yeah. rent. Yeah, it's it's so real. But I mean, and like and the thing is, again, we can feel it like I know. in the past four years. Everything has gotten more expensive. Crunching, crunching. Wages have not gone up, and it's harder to find a job. It's just, Oof, it's been hard to find apartment. It's, it's just exactly, and so know. yeah, people don't have the money to spend on luxury things or even like some of the necessities. Like people are starting to have to pick and choose, like which one is the more important one because you just can't afford everything. Right, and one of the overall issues that that happened for retail sales is that not only did the wages shrink, but the overall size of the middle class shrunk as well. So fewer people with less money to spend, right? The math mm -hmm. just stopped mathing. Enter the financial crisis of 2008, which was caused by banks giving people predatory mortgage loans, which created the Great Recession. And it's estimated that between 2007 and 2009, the American household lost $16 trillion in net worth, wow. and 25% of Americans lost 70 5% of their net worth in those two years. That is so crazy. So I done lost 75% of my net worth. I can't be buying your ripped up distressed <laughs> jeans at a 30% Margo. 
I can I can rip up my own damn jeans. Thank you very much. You sound old as fuck. Why, listen, look, yes, it makes you sound like an old male. But but like, why? Here's a question: Why were we ever buying ripped up jeans in the beginning? Why? Distress my ass. I, we come out the house looking used, like like <laughs> the cat won the fight from the waist down. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna push back here. Have you ever tried to distress your own jeans? Because there is actually a technique involved. There is. Really? Yes. And I know that this is the most. Is it called washing them after you cut a hole in them? No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to cut them against the grain. Otherwise, you just oh. otherwise it just will cut a slit in your jeans and it won't fray correctly. And I know oh. that that sentence makes me bougie and crafty as fuck. But that's who I am. <laughs> that is, listen, it's in the, it's in the DNA. It okay? is in the DNA. The most recent nail in the shopping mall coffin was the pandemic, which not only kept folks at home, but increased online retail sales by 43%. Now, does that make you want to start banging some pots and pans together for the Amazon delivery workers? Do you remember? Mm, do you remember when we were I doing do, that? I During do. During the pandemic? I was out there banging. You were? I was you hanging were? out their windows, banging cookware at 7 p.m. every <laughs> night to thank the essential workers. It was <laughs> it was a lovely gesture. It really was. But I will tell you what the essential workers do not need are noisy ass pots and pans. They want to be paid more. OK, <laughs> instead of it. banging those pans, right. write me a check. That's to be your song in there. I see. You. I will also say. I, I didn't know you were out there banging those pots and pans. I fucking hated that shit because it just felt like so performative. Like, first of all, the essential workers are at the hospital. They can't hear you banging pots and pans. And if they're at home, they're trying to fucking sleep because they've been at the hospital. And you're like, banging these pots and pans together. Like, Well, I would, I'm going to push back here and I would say you're not wrong. It, it, it was performative but i think it's also something that we needed like we needed to feel like we were trapped inside and like feel like we, we couldn't do anything yeah like you gave money you watched the news like you know i don't know you I, what else did you do like let's clamor some you know some positive yeah i mean I, I get it it was a in hindsight it was one of those things where like we couldn't know how long it was gonna last and so like i think that that's also part of what makes me like roll my eyes at it because it was like people were so invested in this pots and pans thing for like the first two months and then when it was like hey guys we're still doing this people were like fuck you my I'm, liberty it's I'm like take my mask off <laughs> right right you can't. Totally. it's like you were banging a pot in a pan <laughs> because you were standing up for the essential workers and now when somebody wants you to stay your ass at home or wear a mask or get vaccinated you're gonna lose your shit like those I pants know. and pots and pans were not for the essential workers those right. were for yourself Right. Uh, I, I do want to circle back really quick to the dead malls for a second, which are, again, these abandoned malls that are like ghost-like, zombie-like malls. Um, there's a growing debate about what should be done with these like enormous blocks of real estate. And this is a society, try the society trying to do a let me fix a glow up here. Mm. I, I really like this. So malls are so big that demolishing them is, isn't cost effective. So there's been a big push to redevelop them because mall closings are a loss to the surrounding community. Some argue that they should be redeveloped into community spaces, which I completely agree with. The current number one use of malls is for office space. Some have transformed them into schools and colleges. Medical and education services frequently repurpose malls as well. Um, there's also a great grassroots initiative, pun intended, to create green spaces and community gardens where malls used to be. I really like that. Oh, I love that. Ironically, Amazon, one of the online retailers that 
definitely contributed to the demise of the mall, has purchased a number of shuttered malls and converted them into fulfillment warehouses. UPS, DHL, and the United States Postal Service have also created fulfillment centers in some of these zombie malls. And a few of them have even been turned into shelters for unhoused people, which I I think is genius. So... Now that we have unpacked the timeline of shopping malls and have heard a few ways that local communities and governments have tried to fix the issue with the zombie mall real estate, it's time for Delon and I to fix the American shopping mall. But first, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. Delon, would you like to go first with your fix? I would love to go first with my fix. So my fix is kind of adjacent to like the, the community rebuilding, community redevelopment. I just love the initi- the initiative of, of taking the shopping mall real estate and just, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle as we learned as kids. Um, so I think we should double down on the redevelopment and revisit Victor Gruen's original uh, uh, dream about what, what he wanted them to be. So he was like, I want these to be community building spaces. So like, what about taking them and making them multi-use town squares under one roof. So, I mean, it has nonprofit initiative written all over it. Um, but I, I do think like you could find investment from local governments and municipalities. Um, what about taking the, the, the little stalls and putting the farmer's market in there, right? Go local, like support the buy local movement. You can even make it like a holiday market during the the holidays and expand that and do like an Easter market or 4th of July market. Just do not have that weird looking jaundice bunny. <laughs> bunny, please, we're putting it on Instagram. That please bunny, please do not bring that bunny. No bunny, jaundiced, jaundiced, <laughs> hilarious. Those were some yellow eyes. He was, <laughs> he did not look well. I love the market idea. You know what it reminds me of in New York in um, Union Square when they've got the Christmas exactly. market. It's yeah. so cute. It's lots of small. It's like all small business focus, which is really great. And again, it goes back to that community thing no big box stores right well and at that at um bryant park where they have that that um, well actually union square yes but also they have it at bryant park to this moment went to bryant park um they also have the ice skating rink and i was like why not like put the farmer's market there on saturday the kids can also go to the ice skating rink remember roller skating like let's make roller skating popular again yeah we we should do a roller skating rink episode 
Yeah, like there's not a place like they've got skate parks and stuff. But I think what's really nice about doing it in a mall and having all this other stuff is it's like it's the old school mall where your parents could drop you there and they didn't feel like they needed to watch you. They could go run their errands and you could hang out and with your friends and like be active and whatever and have some independence. And then they could come back and pick you up when they were done with their grocery shopping or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like a choose your own adventure for your family, Mm -hmm. right? Have like a live theater space, performance spaces, even, you know, like my my sister takes my nephew and and my niece to these kid zones where they just like bounce around on trampolines and then flip and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really think that forms a lot more community, especially in these suburban areas, like you were saying, that kind of keep everyone siloed. Yeah, I love that. The community theater thing is cool, too, because so much of the mall is made to, like, overlook one space, you know, like Mm -hmm. all the levels are kind of looking down. It's kind of you know, it's giving theater in the round. Yes. So, Fran, what is yours? Okay, so I'm I'm kind of similar to yours, but I, I have some, some caveats to mine. So I want to turn malls into affordable housing. No mm. short-term rentals allowed. No mm. Airbnbs. You cannot own more than one in the space, plain and simple. And then in, in order to really make it affordable, do a sliding scale. So... Based on how much money you make, it will determine what your rent is for the oh, space. I love. And you and it kind of like the New York housing lottery, you would apply. Mm-hmm. So you would talk about what your needs are, you have kids, you need something accessible, maybe you are disabled, you need, you know, uh covered parking, you need whatever it might be, and then they will give you a spot based on the lottery system. And instead of your rent just going into some landlord's pocket, and you know I've been I'm a renter's advocate now since I got the girlies <laughs> upset on Instagram. <laughs> but the money that you pay in rent will go to actually maintaining the space. It does not go to a landlord. So um, I really think that that would also incentivize stores to go back. Like how bomb would it be if there was a Trader Joe's inside your apartment building? And so it's like, you know, that everybody that lives there is going to go there to pick up groceries because they can walk downstairs and get to it. You know, that's so smart. And, you know, I would I would I would marry R2 a little bit and I would say for fuck Trader Joe's, like, let's make it like a local like buy like you can buy your apartment or rent your apartment and make it like a local grocery store, local entities that will support you in the complex of the mall. And I you know, there's some people who like for a myriad of reasons can't work or whatever. So if you are somebody that is is on government assistance or um, lower income, I think like maybe there's a a bartering system where like you help maintain the community yeah you like, like get, you it's, are yes it's like kind of you like are, work you do gender study. services yeah janitor services or you're or you learn gardening or whatever it is that you that contributes to you know your rent and and your cost of living in the, oh my in the God. community you know what it is delon this is giving we all the world we all uh, the uh, children uh, uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah i mean it sounds so like kumbaya, kumbaya. <laughs> not us being simpatico oh, okay. yes it, it is very kumbaya but at the same time it's kind of like why haven't we just done this all of these malls are sitting dead and we know that there is a housing crisis like there are right. actively people who need places to live and we have all of this dead empty space but yeah. we will send money to other countries so they could drop Ooh, bombs hmm. but we won't we won't help the people that live right here and are and and not even just people who 
you know, are dealing with mental illness or drug problems, which those are people who need services too, for sure. But there are also people who are functionally poor and are like, I work three jobs and I can't and I can't keep, take myself out of it. And I, I can't take cannot out. get myself out of this. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, not to get on my freaking Instagram soapbox, but I was blown away by how many landlords were yelling and screaming at me and being like, I spent all my money to make my properties nice. And then you fucking slobs paint all over the walls. And I'm like, bitch, why do you have three or four properties? Talk about I that. Wouldn't, I, you should buy. I can't fucking buy because you've bought everything up so you can turn Thank it into you. Airbnbs. Thank you so much. And then you're like, you pay my mortgage. Why is it my job to pay your mortgage? Th- that, but also like what she's going to, you're either going to keep her deposit or she's going to paint it back herself. Like, I don't understand the enragement over what you've done to your apartment. First well, of all, none of your business. But like, you know, someone, their business. someone said this in my comments and it really kind of like unlocked my brain. But some people, some people become landlords because they see it as an investment opportunity, which is fine. Mm. And some people become landlords because what they really want to be is fucking cops. There oh, are people, oh and this is this is the same type of person that's excited to call the police because they're like, you don't have a permit. You, mm. it's, it's after six o'clock and your music is too loud. Like there is like, there's a certain type that just wants to tell other fucking people you know what, what to it do. Is? It's power. It's power. It's powerful it's and controlled. Power. It's power. It's not about saying, you know, I have this extra space and I'm not using it and I might as well make a little extra money. It's like, no, I want to be able to come around here and be like, nope, you've you've violated code section, blah, 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 blah. And those are the same people that see somebody renting and painting and living their life and they're like, no, I have to, I have to be the rule enforcer. When the Gosh. reality is. I would love to have a home. A lot of people would love to have homes and have saved up their money working towards that quote unquote American dream. And right. it's just not attainable. It's just not feasible. And I, I, I say this all the time. I've said this on the pod a few times, but I feel like if, if our culture was like more like uh, a human focused, mm. right, we would be able to solve. You would have people say, I do have three and four properties. Let me see what I can do to help other people. You would have like, I know it's idealistic, the community we just talked about and built, but you would have more of them being like, oh, what can we do as a community to support everyone? Not like, I don't want that, that you know, that methadone clinic near my house. Yeah. I don't want th- that. The that NIMBYs, the NIMBYs, it's not in, ma- not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. Yeah. I think we would just be a different society. We have talked about this a lot on the pod, and I think it it's not that it is exclusive to the United States, but it does feel like a deeply American thing, because in a lot of other places, it's like, you know what it makes me think of? What's that show where like the little kids are able to like walk to the store by themselves? Oh, I think it's in Korea. It's a Korean and show. These kids are walking to the grocery store and riding the train and everybody's like, oh, and I'm cool. nervous. And but no one, but no one is nervous because everybody in the community is like, Yeah, that's that's your kid is my kid. I'll watch out yeah. for them. And like, we don't really have that here. It is we truly don't. you say, Hey, can you do this thing? It'll help somebody else. And they're like, no, fuck that. I'm not helping anybody they're like, else. I'm, I'm like, I, they're literally in New York. They're like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> like they're not, they, they keep walking actually. They don't even stop. Right. Yeah. It's so true. Um, well, listen, class, we would love to hear from you. Shopping malls. Did we fix it? Tell us on Instagram at fixitpod or send us an email. Let me fix it pod at gmail.com. And if you learned anything this episode or something surprised you, consider leaving us a rating on your favorite podcast app and tell us about it. 
And now it is time for everyone's favorite segment, the glow up, where we give props to those who've turned themselves around without our help. Fran, hit it. So my glow up is partially inspired by this week's episode. And I think this is a first for us in the history of our show, because depending on who you ask, my glow up could be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. Um, So Layaway has had a glow up. In the past five years, there have been a number of these new buy now, pay later services that have popped up, including Affirm, Klarna, and Afterpay. Affirm and Klarna sound like medicines. I don't know who. Klarna literally sounds like something you take for a colonoscopy. (laughs) That sounds like it's helping yes, your gut. put your the Klarna gut. in your butthole. Yeah. <laughs> it's an enema. <laughs> so in 2023, Forbes reported that Afterpay had over 5 million customers who were purchasing wow. an item from them and then paying it off in installments. Now, the reason this could be good or bad, depending on who you ask, on the one hand, these programs give more people access to things that they need or want, but... These platforms are popping up like weeds, and a lot of them have very shady business practices or are just outright predatory. For example, Afterpay does not have a customer service phone number listed anywhere. What? You literally cannot call them if you have a problem. You have to do everything. Really? You cannot call these people. And it's like it's like the chicken or the egg thing because not only can you not call them, but a lot of people are having trouble with, you know, they pay for something on Afterpay and then they never get the they never get the item. And then they're still charged for it. And then they can't get on the phone with anybody. Wow. And then a lot of That's gonna be illegal. it, it Well, I, I will get into that. They also have had the problem where you call the retailer and you say, hey, I haven't gotten my item. And they go, you need to talk to Afterpay. And then you email Afterpay and they go, oh, no, no, you need to talk to the retailer. It's their fault. And you're no. like going around and around in a circle. Ooh, I'm, I'm, my blood is already boiling. Yeah, it's really bad. And then these companies also target teenagers who cannot qualify for for credit cards. And that's what where the predatory part comes in. And you kind of picked up on this. In 2020, Afterpay reached a settlement with the state of California for illegal loans. Uh, California said that Afterpay was acting as a finance lender without obtaining the required license. So what happens is people put down 25% of a purchase and then they pay in three equal installments and the merchant the store gets a cut uh, from the transaction and then Afterpay does late fees if they miss a payment. It's giving Blockbuster. It's giving Blockbuster. It's always about a late fee, yo. Yeah, and what also is interesting to me is that Layaway, in my mind, has always been associated with making big purchases like a TV or a washing machine and furniture and thus something that is uh, accessible for like middle class or lower middle class people. But Mm I am now seeing luxury brands offering afterpay. As if it's something special and not just layaway by a different name. I'm talking like designer brands are offering afterpay. And so now the girls are out here with designer purses that they're paying for on layaway. You know what is so funny? That just made me think of. So, you know, we travel a lot. Um, Airbnb a few years ago started doing an afterpay type Mm -hmm. thing where it was like pay half now, pay the rest later and I, I didn't need to use the service but for whatever reason I clicked it one time and then I was like oh no I want to pay for the whole thing I want it done and I could not pay for the whole thing mm. after the fact I had to wait and I'm sure there was a fee attached to it right mm-hmm. um, yeah that's so crazy it's just another way for another revenue stream for them that's nuts man. yeah and they really have rebranded it because 
even just calling it afterpay, I feel like if it was called mm. layaway, I would be curious to see like if people associate that with like not having money versus afterpay oh, is like oh. a way to build credit, you know, like <laughs> you, you rebranded it for them. I distinctly remember because we used layaway a lot growing up that that was associated with being poor because you couldn't afford the whole thing. But it was like the hard part is like it's actually just a way to help you feel like you are moving on up yeah. right like you are moving up into the middle class because you have access to yeah the and, and that again else that's does. why it that's the part of like it can be seen as a good thing because you, yeah if you really need a washing machine and you don't have the money now but you've got a good job and you right. know in three months you'll have enough for it but you need the washing machine now then put it on layaway why live, not live god like that that kind of like was a lot of information to take in because that's that it is predatory you're so right but also like do what you gotta do to keep up with the joneses which have also been on this podcast before you know <laughs> we don't know what the fuck they look like but when we <laughs> see them <laughs> okay all right so Delon, what's your glow up so my glow up this week goes to the Golden Globes. Oh. So, right. So after a two-year hiatus, the infamous and problematic award show returned to primetime airwaves just a few weeks ago. Um, full transparency, I did not watch because despite being excited about when the future me wins one of these major awards, I kind of find it boring to watch. Yeah, right? I think Golden Globes is a, probably the the most boring one, but it is the one where like everybody's drunk because I everyone's think trash. everyone just thinks like, whatever, this one doesn't really count. <laughs> right, exactly, right. It's literally the, the just the beginning of the award season. So just as some, some historical context really quickly, after years of criticism and allegations of bribery, in 2020, there was an Norwegian journalist named Kirtsi Fla, it's hard to say, <laughs> Kirtsi Fla, and she sued the Hollywood Foreign Press, which is the entity that runs the Golden Globes, for institutionalizing a culture of corruption. Um, this was also because she got rejected for <laughs> being, okay, she was like, I want to be a part of the club. They said, no, she said, I'm calling, I'm, I'm calling police, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, that same year, they also neglected and snubbed a bunch of the black-led films, which ignited renewed criticism of the Hollywood Foreign Press for blind spots about race. So there was all of this compounded stuff that happened in 2020 and so they uh i think it was nbc they shut down they said we're not uh having the golden globes mm -hmm. and they were gone for two years and then they came back the la times had all of these exposés that year talking about you know pulling the, the curtain back on all of the corruption evidently they were really boring this year yeah. um but just one thing to point out is lily gladstone was the first indigenous woman to win a golden globe um oh I, she was uh what was the film that she was in uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. She was in Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's just crazy that that she was the first, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is. It also it is like deeply American, right? That like we are on stolen land. Yeah. And then like we don't actually acknowledge the native population. And then like, you know, I haven't seen the film, so I'll, I'll try not to speak out of turn. But there have been, including Lily, Lily Gladstone herself, have made some pretty fair critiques of the film and how it portrays indigenous people. And that like there's kind of like a white savior narrative to it. And it's like, yo, I saw the preview for that watching another film. I was like, absolutely not. I have no desire to see that unless we're we're talking about it in a specific way. Um, Emily Blunt was in another film, mm -hmm. another TV show that had Native people in it. I was like, oh, guys, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, we're and not like, telling this story in this way and anymore. And like, shout out to Lily for being in a movie 
obviously doing amazing in it, but still also being like, y'all fucked up in some of this. Like, cause she Yo, take your platform, it. get your, take your platform, get your coin, mm-hmm. you know, use us like they, like we used you. Hello. So evidently Joe, Joe Coy, who is a comedian I really love, fluff, fell flat with his monologue. He made some bad jokes that just didn't work out. And the the most talked about event was that I guess one of the Kardashians wouldn't let Selena Gomez take a picture with Timothy Chalamet. I don't know which one is dating him. But, uh, it's um, um, uh, Ka- uh, Kylie. The one with Kylie, the lips. I was, I was like, they're dating white boys now? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The glow. Being white has had a glow up for the Kardashians. <laughs> Them vanilla babies. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we were doing bi- biracial butterfly, and now we are going back to our roots, and we are white now. <laughs> the original recipe, girl. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our show, and now we want to hear from you. Is the American Mall a lost cause? And whose fix did you like better? Which is kind of a trick question because both of right. ours were, were very similarly related and banging um but banging why did i <laughs> i threw a hard g on that banging <laughs> she was like i'm gonna give it all to you. <laughs> that was so i'm i'm really glad that you acknowledged that for yourself I, that was funny as soon as it came out of my mouth i was like why did i say it banging. Like, banging. um or maybe you would like to suggest a tv show a celebrity or a brand that we should fix in a future episode hit us up on instagram at fixitpod or email us lemmefixitpod at gmail.com and you know if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes Spotify Amazon Music or your favorite podcast app I am Delon and I'm Francesca and this was Lemmy Fix It, Fix it. <laughs> <laughs>